another episode of Titanic Minute, your daily podcast, where we discuss the movie Titanic minute by minute. I'm your co-host, Robin, joined, as always, by my good friends, Joe and Duff. Let's make some beautiful music together. <laughs> Hello. I well, speaking of beautiful music, I did a little research from yesterday about that music box, Ugh. and I found out what song it is that's playing. And what was it? Tales from the Vienna Woods by Johann Strauss. Garbage, right, Rob? Mm-hmm. Yeah, not art. I don't know. I didn't recognize it from the music box version <laughs> like I would have, though. <laughs> yeah. usually, um, usually you're so up on your uh, Strauss game. Yes. Um, so in this minute, today we're talking about minute 47 uh, of Titanic. In this minute, Rose wears the heart of the ocean. Uh, I think only the wa- this is the first of two times that she wears this uh, necklace in the movie. Uh, this is definitely the least memorable time. Uh, she she gets it and she's like, "Is it?" And he's like, "Diamond, yes, fifty six carats." Uh, we talked yesterday about how much fifty six carats away. That's fifty six carats is a lot. I had never even heard of fifty six carats until this movie. James Cameron says that. While it's theoretically possible for there to be a 56-carat diamond, this is largely an imaginary diamond that would probably, he said, $20 million would be its worth. I don't know if that's $1912 or whatever, but yeah. Or $97. Yeah. But uh, it's it's impressive. And we hear a little of the history, which we've already heard in this movie, about it was Louis the Sixteenth and the Heart of the Ocean is what it's called. And the question I had for you guys is, in this minute, Cal puts the necklace on her neck. Have you ever put a necklace on someone's neck? Uh, no. It was nerve-wracking enough to put a corsage on someone <laughs> at, at homecoming. Joe? I'm not sure. May, I think I maybe have helped someone take one off, like because sometimes it's well, kind of tricky to get the clasp thing in the back but okay but you never i I might have done that i might have done the assist okay but but never like the kind of this is like a movie thing to me right where you sort of like go behind the woman and sort of like put the necklace like over there or maybe i'm just not a gentleman (laughs) anything romantic is just a movie thing to rob (laughs) i i I think it's what you guys haven't done it I think it's number one, a rich person thing. Um, and number two, kind of an old school chivalry thing. So okay. Rob for sure is in the dark on both counts. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Well, if anyone Rob, has done would that. You, Rob, would you tell the story about uh, your wife and the rose? The wife? I don't remember the story. My memory maybe is betraying me, but here's how I remember you telling the story is that when you guys were first dating, um, Molly would, like many people say, how she liked to receive flowers or roses. And so, and this goes along with Rob hating just ordinary nice things and that your logic was, well, they're just going to die anyway. And so you got her a fake rose and said, now it won't die. That sounds like something I would do. This, I mean, Joe, that sounds like a Rob thing, doesn't it? Absolutely. I think the cost of flowers is absurd. It's absurd. 
Why? It's a lot of money for something that you like put in a vase and like in three days is dead. Okay, it seems like a lot of money from that end, but think from the seller perspective. Like you have to curate and grow all those flowers and run a small business. Okay. I don't care. I mean, that's not like I, I don't. I don't walk around and be like, "How could I help out the floral business today?" Well, no. Your argument was that you don't get why it's so expensive, right? I I just think of like the different things that I could buy a significant other. Flowers is not high in that list. But then, by that I, logic, I could just be like, "Why are diamonds so expensive?" You know, a good question. <laughs> but at least but well there's artificial a, price inflation of those too also slave labor yes yeah. but can you imagine if you bought a diamond and then four days later like oh it's no good anymore huh i guess we should throw it out it's uh that's a little apples to oranges there chief well i didn't bring up diamonds as a as an analogy did i all right my, my point Guys, was that just because i don't uh, just because <laughs> i don't personally want something doesn't mean that it must then automatically be cheap. Rob only likes bringing happiness to others if it's on his terms. <sighs> yeah, definitely can understand that. All I'm saying is when you're in college and people talk about buying flowers and then you're like, oh, how much are, how much would it be to, you know, like how much would it be to buy a dozen roses or something? You're like, oh, no way. No way am I going to spend that. That's insane. That's like three months of Internet. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most Rob comparison ever. Uh, I'm gonna step away from the computer for a little while. <laughs> I like, but just like I, Flash, just type in the chat box when you guys are done with this. I'm just getting mad at Rob. I have since that story, which I don't remember, but I'm not denying. Duff have bought my wife flowers. Here's the problem. <laughs> we're 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 sitting here. We're gonna spend months of our lives months yeah. talking about a, a romantic film yes. and 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 any opportunity that, that that comes up rob attacks romance i do not that's what you're doing right now i i people never, buy flowers for the way it makes other people feel i never came into this criticizing flowers i'm gonna segue away from yelling at rob for not liking flowers to talk about why i don't like jewelry I don't get, I just don't, I, and I'm not saying I'm right here. Uh, please let me stress that. There's all these things, and I guess Rob must feel this way about flowers, that, that other people seem to really be attracted to or appreciate, men and women. Uh, many just seem to love jewelry, and, and it's one of these human things that I just am completely, totally, and utterly baffled by. I have no attraction or appreciation of jewelry whatsoever i look at it and i think and feel nothing just like that is just junk right there to me what what is the deal well with diamonds a lot of it is fairly new and isn't it i want to say it's de beers that pretty much created the entire demand for diamonds through marketing Yeah, they like paid for it to get into movies and stuff right yeah so with diamonds they're you're pretty on the mark and that it was literally a demand created by the seller about a hundred years ago or less but obviously jewelry goes further back than this i can understand when it has some type of like family connection or it's been passed down and while i it's not my thing i do i i see like 
you know, I went to a, uh, an arts exhibit about uh, Martin Luther and the Reformation. There was a lot of jewelry there. And so, like, I could see that, yeah, that was, that, that was very uh, aesthetically beautiful, even if it wasn't my thing. I think that mostly this is uh, tying it back to the sequence. This is a uh, traditional thing where some uh, a, uh, a man who has money or makes money shows a sign of commitment to his woman. And a, a low-grade way of doing that would be buying flowers. I earned money. I bought these flowers. These flowers are for you. I have no use for these flowers. I did this for you. And also jewelry is like a, a another version of that. You know, I don't have a use for this ring or this necklace, but I'm buying this for you to show my commitment to you. I think it's tied a lot into just traditional male female roles and 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 maybe that's why I'm just being a feminist by not liking it, guys. I was gonna agree <laughs> I was I was gonna agree with you until that last part. <laughs> okay. Uh, all right, moving moving on. So she says it's overwhelming. Um, and, uh, he says it's for royalty. And then back to what we talked about a little bit yesterday. He says, there's nothing I couldn't give you. There's nothing I would deny you. If you didn't deny me, open your heart to me, Rose. Is there any part of you that maybe feels bad for Cal at this moment? Nope. I mean, Cal just wants to get it wet, is what he's saying. I mean, well, so that's that's kind of what I was getting at yesterday. Is he, when he talks about her denying him, does he mean that, you know, in bed? Or does he mean that just that she's so cold to him right. and, and doesn't, like, you know, show any affection towards him in any way? When he adds open your heart to me, I, it makes me think the latter. Right, I, I kind of, I kind of agree too. But there is some subtext to like, if you don't, didn't deny me. I mean, he's right down at her level. He's looking up at her. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, um, it's strange. I don't, and- I don't think it was meant to indicate virginity, but it sure comes off that way. Yeah, it's poorly written. Imagine that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. Um, so it was pretty obvious that James Cameron was listening to Madonna during this portion of the script writing process. <laughs> it it is it is very like uh what's the video is it Vogue with all the suitors coming up to Madonna and she's kind of shrugging them away? Is that the, No, the the song Open Your Heart to Me. Oh, I'm thinking about more of the video where she's like got all the suitors that are that look a lot like Billy Zane and she's like pushing them all away. Um, I think that was Material Girl. I'm oh, sure. you're right. It was Material Girl. Yep, you're right. You're right. And it's a callback to Marilyn Monroe. Um, okay. Guys, there is a deleted scene that I hinted at last week. I mean, I didn't hint at it. I told you guys the line that Lewis says. Um, a fairly so lengthy, you know, <laughs> fairly lengthy it's, one. It's six and a half minutes long. I'm going to – have you guys – have either of you guys seen this scene? Nope. Okay. I'm going to walk you through the scene and feel free to react. We have, uh, it actually starts a little bit 
dips into tomorrow's minute just a little bit. But when uh, when Rose clutches her uh, her hand up against her neck with the necklace, it does the transmorgify thing where it goes from like young Rose's hand to like old wrinkly old Rose's hand. Gross. Yes. Not a and fan. She's holding that up against her, you know, her neck and it backs away and she's, you know, back on the Keldish telling her story. And that's when Lewis is a line about like killing herself on the Titanic. Okay. <laughs> which is absurd. Which is a good line. <laughs> which is a good line. It's funny, but it's absurd. Yes. Um So then Brock is like pushing for more information from Rose. And Rose is like, I'm tired. Uh, you know, not now. And she like wheels out like uh, um, her niece kind of wheels her. She off. leaves a meal. She no. She, she wheels like she's in her wheelchair, and her niece kind of pushes her out. And she's like, she need you know, she's like she needs a rest. So then we go outside the Keldish, like on the deck, and Bobby. I know you guys are big fans of Bobby the Lingerer. He's telling oh, yeah. Brock like, hey man, we're out of money. We're over budget. We need to, like, they're asking. They're calling. They're calling every day. And I'm just like, this seems weirdly like what I'm sure was like on the production of Titanic. Although James Cameron claims that he wrote all this before he had issues on the Titanic, which I actually believe because he did shoot all that present day stuff before they went down to Mexico and shot uh, all the like 1912 stuff. He does joke in the commentary that the scenes with Bobby and Bill Paxton are basically what filming the movie was like. Yeah, yeah. Um, So then Susie, which is Rose's niece, comes out and confronts Brock. and is like The fifth fifth Mrs. James Cameron. Yes. (laughs) Confronts Brock and is like, don't push Rose so hard. And then Brock, like, holds his hand out and says, this is the way my hand is going to look when I hold the diamond. (laughs) (laughs) What? So then we transition from the wreck of the Titanic to the real Titanic, or like the 1912 Titanic. And this is interesting, guys. We watch as Rose opens up a gate and walks down to third-class steerage. And this is the only, this is not in the movie. We don't see this ever in the movie, but we see sort of like what third-class looked like. And it was just like a big open room with like benches that people sat on. And it is... James Cameron presents immigrants. <laughs> I, I'm imagining Silence of the Lambs where Clarice first goes to Lecter's cell. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little brighter than that, but it does include a sequence where Fabrizio oh, no. is talking <laughs> to a Norwegian girl named Helga. Helga actually pops up in the script a few other times just from okay. glancing at it. And I, I think that it adds to your uh, the tragedy of Fabrizio yes. that you that you mentioned that Fabrizio had kind of a girlfriend that he loses because spoiler he dies and then also gets cut from the movie. Well, so that's that's what's interesting, right? While Jack and Rose are living their first class life down in steerage, we got Fabrizio and Helga, and no one cares. They get cut right out of the movie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so they're trying to communicate, like they're trying to like Fabrizio's got his broken English and the Norwegian Helga's talking, and then Jack is hanging out with Cora, who's the little girl from uh, earlier mentioned. The you know it's not a it's not a boat, Dad. It's a ship. Um, fun fact, guys. I read 
Lindsay Lohan was uh, either auditioned or almost got the role as Cora. Hmm. Uh, so then Rose comes down to the third class steerage and like it's, you know, typical movie script thing where everyone just stops what they're doing to watch this beautiful woman as she walks in this beautiful first class woman walks down into the steerage area. And uh, she goes and talks to Jack. He's just sort of like, oh, my God, she came down here to see me. And then that's when they she says she wants to talk, which then sets up tomorrow's minute, which is why they're at the first class section together. Hmm. Uh, wisely cut, I would say, for many reasons. Yes, I agree, for sure. Um, but it was, I will say. Although was, I, I do want to see uh, Fabrizio and Helga. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it was interesting seeing, like, I will say it's wisely cut, but it is cool sort of seeing, like, you know, what third class looked like, because we don't really see that, like a third class common area. We don't see that at all in the movie. So that was cool. But, uh, yeah, so that would happen leading into tomorrow's minute when Jack and Rose are walking on the deck. But it's like six and a half minutes and, of course, includes all the stuff in the present, which has no, you know, doesn't doesn't need to exist. Right. Huh. Um. So, guys, minute forty-seven. Do you have anything else? I don't. No. Well, listeners, we have a heart of the ocean tomorrow, and also you should go to TitanicMinute.com and sign up for Sinking Feeling. And uh, I'm guessing Carolina will put a link to this uh, to that deleted scene I just mentioned. You can kind of check out the things we talk about, um, read about music boxes. <laughs> Strauss. There's no way I'm going to remember to do this, but maybe we can put a poll on the steerage group, keep it or lose it. Keep whether it or not this, whether or not that scene should have been cut. Oh, Ooh. oh yeah, yeah, that's a good that's idea. Good content. All right, we'll be back tomorrow with another episode of Titanic Minute. Um.